think of his grace and his mercy And oh yeah, how he loves me All I can do is thank him for blessing me He shows me from the hurt and the pain A touch from him and you will never be the same Yes, I gotta thank him for saving me I thank him for my blessings every day that I wake up. We were born into this sin, but he decided to save us. Wasn't grateful for my life, but now I thank him every night. Because without him, I'd be lost. Now the problem has been solved. I remember all the lies and all the times that I disguised. But now his greatness and his mercy was revealed until my eyes. I'm so alive, I rose up from the dead survive. I cannot help but give him praise. You should come along for the ride. All right, everybody. I want to thank you all for joining us for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I'm your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm super excited to join you guys just for another hour to grow, to learn, to just be at one with amazing servant leaders in Christ. And I try not to be biased, y'all, but this servant leader, I'm telling you, he's graced us, I know, two to three times already. And when the Lord speaks, we got to move. And when I ask him, it's always a yes. We have servant leader Dennis McNulty with us today. He is a husband, a father, a educator, a coach, a pastor. He's a servant leader and he is a powerful man of God. We have been talking for the month of August on the fruit of the spirit and servant leadership. And so far we have definitely had love, we've had joy, we've had peace, and we've had kindness. And tonight we're going to talk about and study and delve into long suffering. And it's just amazing how God moves. This has nothing to do with us just wanting to be better as servant leaders. So my brother, I thank you so much just for being with us this evening. I already know. I already know that I'm about to grow. Like in the next 50 minutes to an hour, I'm going to be better. So I just thank you for your time and being with us today. And I'm going to pass the torch to you to say hello and get us cranking for tonight. Well, Coach, I appreciate you, my sister, and to all of my brothers and sisters, we greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to just say, you know, because by now it's pretty well known I'm an excitable preacher, Um, but I just want to simply say to those of you that make up the Servant Leadership um, Coaches Bible Study family, I so appreciate you all. It's like, it's the weirdest thing to try to explain to somebody that's not been exposed to it, how great the impact of it has been. I mean, I genuinely have connected with people all over the country because we share the common denominator in this, the Servant Leadership Bible Study. So thank you for for your willingness to just kind of do this. And, you know, you're you're gracious in that you're constantly saying, look, there were others that kind of, you know, stirred the gift and motivated you to continue uh, at the height of the pandemic. And and here we find ourselves tonight. And uh, I'm just incredibly grateful. Right. I don't want to, you know, they tell you in, 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 in preaching circles, don't start calling names because inevitably you're going to you're going to miss somebody. <laughs> That's right. You're going to miss but, somebody. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, you know, we just mentioned my brother, Paul. It, it's without fail. Every morning in my inbox to my Twitter account, there is the word. Right. Not eisegesis, not preacher hype, not hyperbole, the pure, unadulterated word of God to start my day. You know, um, I consider myself part of the Marshall football family now. Of course, they don't know me from a can of paint. But when my sister and brother took over, I'm Marshall now. Let's go. That's right. You know what I mean? Coach G, Coach KB. We can go on and on and on. Uh, uh, Coach Knox, you know, me and him on this fitness journey. And we we encourage each other. 
And, and it's just a wonderful thing. My, my brother, Dr. Hobbs, now in Texas, you, I can't keep up with my brother. Just wonderful, wonderful stuff. Not to mention, I've been following along with this particular August study. And I mean, can we just talk about the revelation? Just talk about the revelation and uh, what a wonderful thing it is. So tonight, I'm going to solicit the help of the English majors. I've been given uh, long suffering, right? I've been given long suffering or did I choose long suffering? I, I don't remember, but I know this. As it relates to the uh, fruit of the spirit, long suffering is something that is a challenge for all of us. When we talk about patience, when we talk about long suffering, uh, as I joke in my preaching circles, they're, they're not going to rush to the media table to get that tape. Nobody wants that because unfortunately, in many Christian circles now, we are being taught that God wants us to be happy and God wants us to be this, that, and the other. And potentially he does. But long suffering could very well be a part of that plan. Now, I'm going to solicit the help of the English majors because I am a theology major and the English majors are going to help us because I think it's important for, 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 for us right out of the gate, right from the onset, that we look at the differences in the original text of scripture as it relates to the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. And the reason that I say this is because both are necessary to grow us, but there is a huge difference in the grammar of the original text. And I need my English majors to help the rest of us through here. When we look at it, and it's Paul in both instances. So when we're talking about the gifts, we'll start there of the spirit, whether it is in Romans or whether it is to the church in Ephesus, he says, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. And so Paul is basically reminding us of what the late Miles Monroe reminded us, which is anytime purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. And so our ignorance is not an excuse, but we have to guard against it because if we don't know the functionality of a thing, by default, we are going to abuse that thing. And so he goes on now. And the reason we need the help of the English majors is this. In Ephesus, he says the gifts of the spirit, and he goes on to list them. In Galatians, where we're going to spend some time tonight, he says, but the fruit of the spirit is... And if you listen carefully, you can see where we're going with this. But the gifts of the Spirit, I would not have you to be ignorant. But the fruit of the Spirit is. And then he lists the nine gifts. Here it is, beloved, hard pill to swallow. But this is the reality of our Christian life as it relates to the fruit of the Spirit. Gifts is plural. Fruit is singular. So we do not get to pick and choose. This is not a la carte, beloved. You don't get to rise up in the morning and say, well, you know, let me put on joy and let me put on goodness. Uh, but I don't feel like being in control of self today. And these jokers that I work with don't deserve my gentleness and all that. It is not a la carte. You are going to put on the fruit of the spirit. You are going to walk in the, the, the spirit or regrettably, you're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. I love what our brother included the other night in the study when he said, listen, notice that there are nine gifts of the spirit or fruit of the spirit rather but there are a plethora of works of the flesh and so already the odds are stacked against us i want to give just a very brief i think it would be helpful for where we're going 
little bit of background on what was going on in the book of Galatians and why Paul thought it necessary to write it in the first place. What was happening was Paul founded it. Paul was instrumental in their growth and development. Paul was vital in getting them going on their Christian journey. But Paul got word from some missionaries that Paul, don't know how to break it to you, brother, but, but the folks in Galatia are wilding out. They, they, they're, they're, they're being exposed to false teaching, the Judaizers, the specific group that was coming in. And in essence, what they were trying to do was to repudiate the teachings of Paul. And in actuality, they were even trying to dismiss the authority of the apostle. I want to let you know that if you're in leadership and people begin to challenge your authority, resist the temptation to feel it necessary to defend yourself. If you are genuinely called by God, God makes you his responsibility. So you don't have to worry about giving them a piece of your mind. You don't have to worry about, well, I'm a don't do none of that. Resist that because God will take up your defense as he did with Paul. And on several occasions, Paul would be wise enough to feel it necessary to just not defend himself per se, but kind of share his resume, share the finer points of his dossier to say, listen, I, I come from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised on the eighth day. So he's basically saying that you can try to repudiate the authority that God gave me, but, but you're in for a long haul. Specifically, what the Judaizers were saying was that these new converts to Christianity, this new sect of believer, that Paul was preaching that you are saved by grace through faith. The Judaizers were saying you have to adhere to the elements of the law, specifically circumcision. Now, we're going to lose everybody if we go down that boulevard, so we'll leave it at that. I'll say this regarding circumcision. God is not interested in making a mark in our flesh as much as God is looking to make an impact on our heart. So let's make sure that we're not doing the things that legalistically make us to look the part of a Christian, but our heart is far from him. And so Paul is basically saying, listen now, this is what's going to happen. Now, in the economy of God, long-suffering, waiting, patience is something that God uses to both grow and strengthen the believer. So if I were to ask the question, and I can't really see you all, but I, I, I pray that there's a comment section somewhere that we can have a, a, a class participation. If I were to ask you if you were waiting for something, my hope would be that every virtual hand would go up because all of us should be waiting for something because if we're not, it is a glaring indictment on our prayer life. All of us should be waiting for something. We should be waiting for a manifestation of the gift of the spirit. We should be waiting uh, for the uh, fruit of the spirit to manifest. We should be waiting for that unsaved loved one that we've been praying to God to be delivered. We should be waiting for the improvement in the life of the young person that we're teaching or coaching. All of us should be waiting for something. Here's the problem with waiting in the economy of God. What, yeah, you're waiting literally and figuratively. Yes, you, you can preach that for, for the rest of us. Uh, there's a message from my preachers out there. My water's about to break. Never mind. Uh, that's that's for another time. Um, but but he that he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Tap your virtual neighbor and say, my water is about to break. My water is about to break. You know, it's an interesting thing about uh, pregnancy 
uh, if if one chose to, uh, they can conceal it for a little while. Certainly, in the first trimester, uh, the the young lady or, or or the or the expected mother might be able to conceal it. Uh, but after the first trimester be over, there is absolutely no way that you can conceal that you are pregnant. I wish somebody would get the revelation in the spirit that that you have been trying to conceal the fact that you belong to him for too long. You've been in what I call the witness protection program. And in fact, your water is getting ready to break. And if you're not careful, your water is going to break at the most inopportune of time. So the fact of the matter is you would rather do it in the timing, in the scheme and in the plan of God. So waiting Waiting is something that all of us should be able to identify with either literally or figuratively because we're waiting for a next season. We're waiting for the manifestation of what we've asked God to do. And one of the tactics of our adversary is to cause discouragement to fall upon us while we wait. He would love us to go away thinking that our waiting is in vain. And so what God does in the economy of waiting is that he gives us the understanding that waiting, like other things in God's economy, is going to work for your good. That you are not waiting in vain. That you are not waiting as someone without hope. You are not waiting with uh, as someone that is disconnected or untethered from purpose, but you're waiting in accordance to the will of God for your life. And so we look at it and it says uh, in Isaiah, for example, the very famous, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So let's just unpack that slowly real quickly as it deals with long suffering. My waiting is because God wants to perfect something in me. My waiting is because God sees a strength that has been depleted. Now, our problem as leaders is we feel as though we are supposed to continue even though our strength has been depleted. And I'm here to tell you that when the strength of a leader is depleted, they're going to bleed on the people that they've been called to lead. There is no way that you could be wounded as a leader, as a coach, as a deacon, as a minister, as a civic leader. You will bleed on those that you are called to lead if you continue to do it from a place where you're wounded, but you're not allowing God to heal you from it. We're going to talk a little bit about something that's not sexy tonight. We're going to talk about bitterness, bitterness. And there are a lot of bitter folks that I encounter on a daily basis. And their bitterness is a turnoff to those that don't yet know the saving power of God. So, so we're waiting, but our waiting will not be in vain. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There are several things that we need to understand about the eagle that we're being compared to. First thing that you need to note about the eagle is that the eagle's wingspan causes the eagle to generate on takeoff a lot of momentum. So there's an energy in the beginning, but then what he does is he rides the pocket of the wind. He rides the pocket of the wind. Well, in scripture, when we see wind, overwhelmingly, it is an attribute given to God, right? So, so, so uh, Ezekiel was told to prophesy to the wind when the valley of dry bones needed uh, resurrected, right? Uh, the breath of God or the wind of God was given to Adam when he was formed, but lifeless. For my Pentecostals among us, there was a sound as of a Russian mighty wind that fell upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. The other thing that's fascinating about the eagle 
is that the eagle soars to heights and we call, you know, the eagle eyes vision comes to mind because he's able to see prey from a great distance. But did you know something that I discovered about the eagle? The eagle does not eat dead things. The eagle refused, the eagle is not a scavenger. The eagle only eats that which has life in it. I want you to think about this as we're waiting, that we are being likened unto an eagle. Our life, our waiting is being connected to the fact that God is trying to mature us or perfect us in the waiting. He's trying to strengthen us. If we look at this very clearly, what God is saying is, I'm strengthening you in your waiting because what I have for you, you're not yet strong enough to maintain when I give it to you. And the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So I would rather cause you to wait and suffer long so that you can hold on to that which I've given to you rather than me giving it to you prematurely and having the adversary take it from you, using it as one more instance to cause you to question the validity of your God. So I want to say this to you all tonight. Now, we're going to take a, a, a strange turn here to look at this bitterness, because this is really what I think is happening. And so God is trying to process us in our waiting, in our long suffering, so that we would spend more time in the realm of the spirit as opposed to the realm of the flesh. If I were to ask and take a quick Quinnipiac survey and ask us to say, listen, how many of you would agree that the tendency to rely on self is greater in a situation that you're familiar with? You know, familiarity breeds contempt. And so the seasons of my life that I'm familiar in, the things that I think I do relatively well, my tendency is to do them independent of God's ability, God's grace, God's anointing, God's power. So in other words, Dennis is in control. However, when I find myself in a season where I'm suffering long, when I find myself in a season where I have been made to wait because God is trying to strengthen me, I realize in those unknown seasons that I have no other recourse but to trust and depend on God. So when things are going my way, when I'm comfortable, the tendency is to lean to my own understanding. But when I am in a contrary place, I am leaning not to my own understanding, but I'm leaning on the everlasting arms of God. Now, this is important, beloved, because sometimes we don't see in our waiting room what God is in essence doing is he is looking to induce, here it is, the labor because the labor needs to be induced because you have been at this for too long. So if we were to ask Sister Chelsea how far along she was, she would tell us. Well, at some point, her OBGYN is going to give her a date if they've not done so already. And this is going to be what we call, come on, preach with me, your due date. The problem in Christian circles is we think we determine the due date. We think we determine the season that we come into. And God will mess around and leave us in spiritual labor longer than we should until we get the revelation. This is only going to be done in the economy of God's timing. I'm going to suffer long until God says my suffering has reached the purpose that he has sent it to fulfill. So watch, we're gonna take a strange turn here. Isaiah chapter five, we are given over to this parable. And I think it is amazing, brother Paul, that God gives us over to this parable where he's saying to the children of Israel, I want you to see the love that I have for you. 
I want to interject very quickly here that God expects growth from us. I want you to catch this now. God expects growth from us. That growth is not something that is optional in the economy of God. Growth is not something similar to the a la carte menu of the fruit of the spirit that we choose whether or not we are going to participate in. God desires that each of us that have been called to his service grow in our walk with God. Growth is something that God requires of all of us. So much so that in Isaiah chapter five, we have this parable. It is commonly known as the song of the vineyard. And quickly I'll read. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and he cleared it of its stones, planted it with the choices of vine. He built a watchtower in the middle of it, cut out a wine press as well. And he looked for good grapes, but he found only wild or bad grapes. So he came looking for grapes, but he found instead grapes that were good for nothing. Now, when we look at this, it is very interesting because we see the lengths that God will go to to position everything favorably for our growth. So in other words, in our lives, like in theirs, he plants us in the choices of vineyards. He removes the thistles and the briars. He removes the weeds and the rocky places that would cause growth to not take place. So everything that is not conducive to growing, God removes. Now, y'all catch that at the red light. Some folks left your life because it wasn't conducive for your growth. Some seasons had to expire in your life because they were no longer conducive to the growth plan that God had for you. So notice this now. He said, I came looking for grapes, but found only wild grapes. One translation says bitter grapes, grapes that are toxic. Catch this now. He says, now, I need to ask the question. I want you to judge between me and my beloved. What more could I have done that I've not done already? Now, now think about the love of God that would cause God that is the full sum of wisdom to ask the question of you and I that he created, which is in essence saying, what more, Dennis, could I have done to secure your growth and to understand that I've called you to be a success story? What more could I have done that I've not done already? Now, now, we need to pause and, and, and think about that in our own individual lives before we collectively go any further, which is, why am I not growing? Why am I not maturing? Why am I still being considered to be something other than what God expected? This whole parable of the song of the vineyard lets us know that God delivers the people with a reasonable expectation of the said people on the other side of deliverance. That on the other side of deliverance, on the other side of coming into right relationship with him, all initiated by him, by the way, you do realize that God took the initiative to save us. So on the other side of what God delivered us from, God has a reasonable expectation of what our lives are going to look like on the other side. So he expects us to walk in the fruit of the spirit. He expects us to walk in the spirit to not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He expects us to be a conduit of his power. He expects us to be a conduit of his growth. He expects us to be impregnated with purpose. He expects us to have signs and symptoms of the fact that, that we are beginning to show 
You, you can't conceal it in the second trimester, Chelsea. Come eventually, you know, your, your hands begin to swell and, and your feet, your, your, your tennis shoes Talk don't fit it. you no more. <laughs> you you, you got to, you know, get you some slides and get you some wider shoes, albeit for a season. But the fact of the matter is God has impregnated us with purpose. And God is saying, what more could I have done that I've not done already? Now, let's look at this quickly. It says he, he, he placed them in a fertile soil. He planted you in the kingdom of God, which is fertile soil. And he says, now I dug it and I cleared out the stones. Man, listen, I'm trying to behave myself, but if I began to think about everything God had to remove, all the wreckage of my past, all the debris of my yesterday, all the regrets, all the mistakes, all of the sleepless nights, all of the things that God had to remove so that he could plant me in the vineyard that would cause me to grow. My goodness, we would be here till tomorrow just thinking of the goodness of the Lord. And I don't think I'm alone in this, beloved. I think that all of us can look back over our lives and say, God, if you didn't remove that in that season, if you didn't take that away, I was getting ready to be choked by it. I was getting ready to be stifled by it. I was getting ready to be overtaken by it. And God said, this is not my will for you. I'm going to cut out and remove everything that is not conducive to your growing. If I were to ask you tonight, what would God need to remove in order that you would grow in the season of waiting? What would your answer be? I'm afraid that too many of us wouldn't even have an answer. Too many of us don't take inventory enough to say, God, this is something that is glaringly wrong with the DNA of my current makeup. This is something that I need you to take away. And if it is bitterness, my God, ask him to remove it at once because he's coming looking for something. He has a reasonable expectation of what your life is going to look like and what it's going to yield and produce on the other side of what he's done in your life. Somebody's waiting for you to get it together. Somebody's waiting for you to allow God to remove the thing that is not conducive to your growing. And sometimes it is the aforementioned book of Galatians where one of the works of the flesh is taking preeminence in our life. We're, 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 we're lusting after something. We're angry about something. We're bitter about something. We have a resentment that we fail to let go of. And God is saying, the longer you allow these things to stifle you, the longer you will remain in long suffering. My wife and I talk often about God's inability to socially promote. God will not socially promote you. There are some school districts that will socially promote you. There are some children psychologists that think that you should keep up with those that you are of the same age as. Never mind, you can't read. Never mind, you can't write. But because you're 18 and got a beard, we got to move you along. And you don't know anything. God is not going to socially promote us. Now, interestingly enough, one of the more favorite portions of Galatians happens on the heels of the fruit of the spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. By the way, we would be wise if we just started to be a little bit more gentle with those that disagree with us. We, we would be wise if we chose our words carefully because what's happening is we are using something other than what God used to draw us. The word of God says, with love and kindness have I drawn thee. So if that was the recipe or the antidote in which God used to draw us, what makes you think that beating somebody or browbeating them over their sin and iniquity is going to draw them? What you need to show them is the same tolerance 
that God showed you. And let me just talk to my, my coaches and my servant leader. Y'all hold on. I'm going to talk to church folks for one minute and I'll be right back. Why is it that church folks have a problem with a certain thing only after they or their child been delivered from it? You, you didn't have a problem in all of the years that you suffered with it, but all of a sudden you got delivered from it. All of a sudden your long suffering paid off and God delivered you. And now you have a problem with somebody that is in exactly the same predicament you were in just a moment ago. The only difference is they're still being processed and you've been bought over to a better option. Beloved, we'd be wise to suffer long to where we take on Christ-like character. But here it is, I'm gonna mess y'all up and we are gonna go out of here. Galatians talks to us about the fruit of the spirit. But in Galatians, it talks to us about the necessity of not growing weary. It tells us in the next chapter, let us not get weary. We're talking about patience. We're talking about long suffering now. Let us not get weary in what, Paul? Let us not get weary in well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. Now, this word in the Greek, as well in the Hebrew, it means to be discouraged, to faint, to lose heart. It means that you are becoming despondent. You're becoming heavy. You're, you're, you're becoming something other than what God called you to be. Now, 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 look at this now. Let us not get weary in well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. So our reaping is predicated on our ability to have stick to Our reaping is predicated on the ability to stick and stay. Our ability to stick and stay is predicated on knowing the Christ of the church. Because I tell folks all the time, there's this thing that started happening years ago. Folks started running around talking about church hurt. I said, look, I get it. But if you're in love with the Christ of the church, why would you let his imperfect vessels run you from the Christ that you told me you're in love with? If I'm in love with you, as I am in love with Audrey, and Audrey, somebody said, well, Audrey, I said, wait a minute. Y'all gonna have to take that somewhere else because I love her. We're gonna work this thing out. I'm not leaving. I'm gonna stick and stay. I'm gonna suffer long. And whether it's in our marriages, whether it's in our coaching or our teaching, sometimes the only difference between those that become successful and those that remain stagnant are those that have a made up mind that I'm gonna suffer as long as necessary. I'm gonna suffer until God sees that what he placed in me is growing it's maturing, it's ready to be delivered. And I'm going to have, my, listen, I'm, I'm trying to behave myself, but I'm telling you, I keep looking at you in your pregnant face. And all I keep hearing in my spirit is my water's getting ready to break. And I'm talking spiritually now. I'm talking spiritually now. My water's getting ready to break. And if you don't think there's biblical precedent for this, I want you to know that there is. Y'all remember the story of Mary, right? Mary, the mother of God, Mary blessed and highly favored. Mary was given a word and the God that was the God of creation decided that he was going to borrow the womb of a teenage girl. And Mary had the word given to her by an angelic being. Y'all know your Bible, right? And the angel came and said, Mary, you're blessed and you're highly favored. Here, here's for my folk that misinterpret what blessed and highly favored mean. Oh, the church, we love talking about we're blessed and highly favored, boy. I don't care what's going on in your life. You mess around that's a church folk. You say, how you doing, daughter? Pastor, I'm blessed and highly favored. Lord have mercy. I love the enthusiasm. I'm just not sure that it's connected to reality. See, my blessed and highly favored doesn't mean that there's a comma in my bank account. My blessed and highly favored doesn't mean I drive a German car. 
My blessed and highly favored doesn't mean I have a his, her, and their garage and sink. My blessed and highly favored means I have access to the one that can give me the sustainability and the dogged determination to stick and stay when I would rather go and go back to where I came from. I'd rather go give them a piece of my mind. But God's gift is the relationship that we have with him. Well, beloved, I want you to know that in this, we don't get to decide. What does it say? In due season, we shall reap if, that's a conjunction from my English majors, if we faint not. If we faint not, can I, can I take a quick sidebar? Lawyer talk. I ain't a lawyer, so I must have been a defense. Never mind. Lawyer talk. The first time we see the word revived in scripture is in the book of Genesis. Because here it is now. Don't, don't lose me from my note takers. We're talking about long suffering. We're talking about the fruit of the spirit being all encompassing. It is not a la carte. You don't get to pick and choose today what fruit of the spirit you're going to walk in and what you're going to leave on the table because you're a Christian that acts like a teenager talking about, I don't like that. God didn't ask you if you like it. God asked you if you understand the purpose of why he gave it to you. He gave it to you so that he can grow you. He gave it to you so that he can mature you. He gave it to you so that he can use you. He gave it to you so that when he comes looking for one thing, he won't find something else. The first time we see connected to this ability to either stick and stay or faint, which in Greek and in Hebrew means the same thing. It means to lose heart. Sister Chelsea, it's amazing. The first time we see it is all the way in the book of Genesis chapter 26, talking about the word revive. And it is on the heels of Joseph's brothers finding out that Joseph was alive. I feel like preaching all of a sudden. Look at three people in your virtual neighbor and say, this is going to end better than you imagine. This is going to end better than you imagine. I, I know it don't feel that way now as you're being patient, as you're suffering long. I know there's nights where you feel like fainting. I know there's mornings where you're crying your way to work. I know you dry your, your eyes right in the parking lot of that school or university that you belong to. And you're saying, God, what am I doing? How much longer? Nobody sees the fruit of my labor. Nobody understands what I've been called to do. And God says, I see and I know you're waiting because your strength has not been made perfected. But the only thing I need you to do is make up your mind and make it resolute in your heart that no matter what I face tonight, no matter what I encounter in the morning, I am not going to faint because I got a word that says this is going to end better than I imagined. Now, Joseph was alive, but for years his father thought he was dead. His brothers that perpetrated the lie that he was dead was now sent back by their father to discover that not only had he, had he been living, but he had been elevated in the process. That his suffering long produced elevation. That his humility caused them to be exalted. And he sends them back to the father to say, go tell my father that I'm alive. And scripture says that Joseph's brothers come back with a whole bunch of U-Hauls full of stuff. And they get there and they say, daddy, you ain't going to believe this. Joseph is alive. And scripture says, sister Chelsea, that Jacob didn't believe them. But when Jacob saw all of the stuff, that was a result of Joseph suffering long to be elevated to the position of where he now is. The Bible says when he saw the stuff, the spirit of Jacob, catch this now, revived. Now, now this is, this is going to be fascinating. We're about to have church here in a minute. Warm up the organ. Listen, 
The Bible says the spirit of Jacob revived. This Hebrew word, the first time revived or any variation of the word revival appears in scripture is in the book of beginnings, the 26th chapter. This thing that Joseph or Jacob thought ended one way actually was getting ready to be discovered ended another way. He thought it ended in the death of his child, but he was getting ready to find out that it ended better than he imagined. Listen to what it says. It says, when he saw the stuff, the spirit of Jacob revived. That word in Hebrew doesn't even sound like a Hebrew word. It is the word haya. Now, wa now watch my hand now. Ha haya. There it is. Haya. And as I've told you, this word in Hebrew means to be revived. It is the antidote for faint-heartedness. Because the word haya, which sounds more like a martial arts word than a Hebrew word, means to be revived, but specifically from discouragement, faint-heartedness, sickness, and death. Ra raise your virtual hand if, if you've survived some days where you were discouraged, where you were faint-hearted, where, where you were feeling as though this long-suffering was producing something other than what you expected it would. I I'm here to tell you that, that you ain't going to be that way in my presence. I'm going to chop you up. Hiya, be revived in your spirit. Know that your waiting will not be in vain. Those that wait on the Lord, their strength shall be renewed. My waiting will not be in vain in the economy of God. God is developing a picture and great pictures are developed in the dark. And God is saying, the only way you don't come into what I purpose for you is if you faint along the way. Do not get weary in well-doing for in due season. Now see, here's where the rubber meets the road. It doesn't give us a timetable for what due season looks like. I want to say something to you for the note takers. Several years ago, God gave me one of the greatest revelations that he ever gave me right there in Galatians chapter six. Do not get weary and well-doing for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And scripture tells us that in that same passage of scripture that we are reminded that we have to decide if we've sown to the flesh or sown to the spirit. This is precisely what's going on in the previous chapter when he is juxtaposing the works of the flesh juxtaposed to the fruit of the spirit. And now he's coming into this and he says, listen, he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. Can I say this to you as I get ready to close here? One of the greatest revelations that I ever came into was when I discovered by the help of God's spirit that I was in need of a crop failure. Listen to me. When I read that scripture, I was frightened beyond frightened. I was alarmed beyond alarmed. I was concerned beyond concerned. You know why? Because I knew that up to this point, I was a babe in Christ when God gave me this revelation. I knew that the majority of my life was spent sowing to the flesh. And according to the principle of God, there is a principle of sowing and reaping. As long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time and a harvest. And I was so frightened, Sister Chelsea, because I said to myself, my goodness, God, I need you to do something because according to this principle, I've got some bad things that I'm getting ready to reap because I sowed not in the spirit, but I sowed in the flesh. And so I said, Lord, 
I need a crop failure. I'm talking to real folks tonight. Lord, I need a crop failure because if you came expecting one thing and you delivered me expecting that I'd be different on the other side, then it'd be wise for me to begin to confess those things that are standing in the way. So, so, so what I did was I began to do a study. I said, now, wait a minute. You have to know the difference between an annual and a perennial. An annual is that what lasts for a season, but then it dies. Now, no matter how horrific whatever it is that we're going up against that is causing us to try to faint is, the fact of the matter is, for most of us, we're pretty tough. We, we can handle anything if I knew it was only for a season. Come on, wave at me. Talk to me like I'm at church. Holla at your boy. I, I, I can deal with anything if I, if I did. I mean, it's nine months. I, I know the joy of this baby is going to be so much sweeter than the pain of the first trimester. It's going to be so much better. There's going to be a lifetime built growing her, nurturing her, loving her, developing her that is going to outweigh the pain that was for a moment. So the annual we can deal with. The problem is we have to ask ourselves, beloved, hard question now. Are we dealing with a spiritual annual or are we dealing with a spiritual perennial? Because the perennial is that which you plant one time and it comes back season after season, year after year. There's a reason we say so-and-so are the perennial champs. They win every year. I can name a couple of schools. I don't want to offend nobody. Uh, keep trying. Keep working. Keep building. You understand? And I discovered in my life that I was dealing with perennials and they were looking for me and they were looking to cause me to faint and they were looking to manifest. And what I discovered in my life, beloved, is that they would always manifest at the most inopportune of time. Every time I made up my mind that this was the year I was going to take on all of the fruit of the spirit. I was going to suffer long. I was going to be gentle. I was going to be joyous. I was going to do it. The, I was going to do it. And I wasn't going to faint no more. And here came something of my yesterday that I planted one time. And you know what? I had to be honest enough to say, Dennis, be honest with yourself. You didn't only plant it. You killed the ground. You cultivated the seed. You visited the seed. You checked on them when you were lonely. You, you done messed around and did everything to satisfy that thing that was a work of the flesh. And here it is now looking for you because that's a principle in God's word that, that you're going to reap what you sow. Paul said, listen, I can't make it any more plain to you. If you, if, if, if you live after the flesh, you're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. You're going to reap what you sow. And think about it. Even before we came into Christian circles, we use language. In, in one, one uh, circle of the world, they call it karma. In Christian circles, we call it sowing and reaping. In, in, down in the block, they say what goes around comes around. There's no getting away from the fact that if you sowed an annual, you're going to reap something that is contrary. So you know what I did? I asked God for what at the time seemed like a negative thing. I said, God, if Isaiah chapter five is right and you removed everything in my life because it was not conducive to growing, you removed the briars, you removed the thistles, you removed the weeds, you removed the negative influences, you removed the Newports, you removed the crack, you removed the alcohol, you removed the Johnny Walker Red, you removed the Shabbos Regal, you removed everything that was negatively impacting me. So guess what? There must still be something there that I placed there. I put that there. I sowed that. I planted that. I watered that. 
I tilled the ground. I visited it. I was the one that refused to believe that I was in a better place. I was the one that saw no purpose in long suffering. And so God, I need you to do something that at the surface seems so negative. Lord, I need a crop failure. I need you to destroy every crop before it destroys me. God, I'm invoking your attribute called mercy. God, I bow myself at the mercy of a God that loves me. Lord, I need you to remove it, remove it, God. And, and what seemed like the neck, now I want to say this to you in love. Let me calm down so y'all don't miss this. Beloved, if you're going to be bold enough as a man or woman to pray for crop failure, expect crops to fail people will mess around and remove themselves from your life like you got some type of a communicable disease they will mess around and i mean they will pack their bags so quick you'll find uh, uh, jobs giving you up you'll find changes you'll find people i'm telling you what i've experienced in my life and it seems so negative and god took me all the way back to the book of joel and he says listen you remember that canker worm? You remember that caterpillar? You remember that locust that devoured all of the crops in the field and everybody thought it was the adversary? That was the army that I sent. I devoured that thing because it was never purposed for you. I devoured that thing because you were becoming dependent upon it. I devoured that thing because you were not recognizing that this was a great source of why you were fainting. See, you've got to be pay attention to the warning signals. You got to be real careful when you're around positive people. When I get around serving leadership, boy, I want to grow. When, when I get onto this podcast, when I get onto this word, I'm like, God, I want to run through troops and leap over walls. I want to get up in the morning and work out. I want to do my devotion. I want to have a meditation at night. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father when I get around. But when I get around certain people, I reach for my joy and I can't find it. I reach for my praise and it's been displaced. I reach for one of the fruit of the spirit and I look to be uh, uh, cheerful and I look to have joy, but instead bitterness comes out. The wild grape in me comes out. Beloved, I prayed that prayer and guess what happened? There was some stuff in my family's bloodline that I thought was gonna be something that we would have had to live with for the rest of our days. But when I prayed, God, let these crops fail, guess what happened? Crops started failing. Things that were long, long history of being in my blood, they've never surfaced again. It's never manifested again. I'm the father that God wants me to be. I'm the husband that God wants me to be. Well, Audrey might question that a little bit. Uh, you know, when I'm under the anointing, I'm the husband that God wants me to be. All because I was wise enough to say, wait a minute, God, this thing is so important to you that you literally in Isaiah five coming full circle, you love me enough to whereby you would question your own self. He asked through the prophet Isaiah, what more could I have done that I've not done already? Come on, Dennis, what more could I have done? I delivered you from the bondage of your despair. I put people in your life that'll build you up. I gave you over to the word of God. I filled you with my spirit and you are still something. You need things to fail. And man, when I'm telling you, when them crops began to fail, guess what happened? When the crop failed, space became available for what was supposed to be planted there all along. You hear what I'm talking about now. When, 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 when my field was overcrowded with things that I placed there, things that I nurtured, things that I developed, I was a steward over the ground. God said, see, I'm not going to compete in your field. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to 
wait for you to get the revelation that these things need to be devoured. I'll devour them through the attribute called my mercy. And then what I'll do is I'll operate in my attribute called justice and I'll begin to plant in the field those. I would have never got Audrey and the children if I was still trying to do it my way. God said, let me clear the field of all of the debris that's choking the life out of you. That's sucking the anointing out of you. Don't you know there's leeches, there's leeches, there's leeches in the church. Oh yeah, there's leeches in the church. They, they'll, they'll suck all of the anointing out of you. They will, but you got to use wisdom now because God wants us to be servants, but God don't want us to be exhausted. I'm going home now, but listen to me. It was the greatest revelation I ever received. But here's the thing, and I'm going to take a shift here now. This ain't for everybody. For my mature people, that was the greatest revelation God ever gave me, that I was in need of a crop failure. And when I prayed that crops would fail, crops began to fail. People started departing my life like I had some type of a communicable disease. And I started weeping. I said, oh, God, why is everybody leaving me? Why am I over here by myself? God said, come here, son, I want to show you something. And God said, you see that field over there? I said, yeah. He said, what's in it? I said, nothing. He said, now I'm ready to put something in the ground. Now I'm ready to grow you. Now I'm ready to mature you. All of the things that were not conducive have been removed. The thorns have been removed. The briars have been removed. The rocks have been removed. So I'm going to come with an expectation. But that's not it. That was the, that was the greatest revelation. Here's the second. And this is going to bless Sister Chelsea if nobody else. And I'm not saying this. I'm speaking in the spirit now. So don't let the, don't let the enemy cause no anxiety to jump on you. Some years ago, we were hosting this 24-hour all-night prayer thing at the church that started so simple you know, a word from God. And it, it blew up. It just, people came from everywhere. And right on the heels of that weekend, God gave me a word. And I mean, it was so vivid. And for those of you that this language is offensive to, please, please bear with me, pray with me. God said to me, just as clearly as I'm speaking to you, God said, son, tell my church the baby is breach." Now, sometimes you preach and teach and you, 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 you are apt to miss it. I sip my coffee like I knew I missed God. God ain't saying no such thing to me. And God said it again. He said, son, the baby is breech. Well, of course, we understand that when the baby is breech, what's happening is the order is reversed. So the feet instead of the head come out first. God said, I'm the head of this church. And I need to be first. And the problem is my church has gotten ahead of me in the same way the baby is breached. Now, I know you, you thought I forgot when I mentioned Mary earlier. Well, I didn't forget Mary when I mentioned earlier because I want to prove a point here for those of you that are beginning to sense in the spirit that your water is getting ready to break. You remember when Mary messed around and got that word and it was too great for her? Mary was wise. We, we, we should all be, have a little Mary in us. When that thing is greater than what you're looking at, when that promise is so far beyond your ability to grasp and understand it, just be a Mary. Throw your hand up and say, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Not according to my wants, not according to my whims, not according to my wishes, but according to your word. But you know what I love about the story of Mary that doesn't get spoken about enough? God is so gracious to us when he gives us something that's a little bit in front of us or uh, beyond us, should I say, he'll mess around and connect you with somebody that's a little further along in the process. That small inclusion where Gabriel says to her, oh, oh, I almost forgot. Hey, Mary, you remember your cousin Elizabeth that was barren? 
Well, she's also pregnant with child. Oh, and she's in the second trimester. She's in her sixth month. Now this thing messed around and provoked Mary because Mary said, wait a minute now, what did you say? And Gabriel departed. Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. But the Bible says that Mary made haste to go into the hill country to see this thing that God did in Elizabeth. See, we need people that are further along than us because this thing is so far beyond my ability to grasp it that it's almost to the point where I'm fainting in the long suffering of the waiting. It's like, man, I know God did it for Huff and I know God did it for Knott's and I know God did it for Chelsea and I know God did it for Audrey and Dennis and Paul, but but it don't seem like God's going to do it for me. My prayers seem like they're hitting the ceiling and ricocheting around the room. God, when is going to be my turn? He said, hey, go down to Elizabeth's house. And, and can I tell you how great God is? God is so gracious that Mary uh, gets there, Elizabeth greets her, and in that moment, Elizabeth's water almost broke. Come on. The Bible said, the Bible said that John leapt in the womb of Elizabeth. And a manifestation, listen, I feel something leaping in me. I feel something leaping in me because I'm talking to servant leaders that said, you know what? It would have been far more uh, advantageous for me to quit. Fainting was the most natural order of things because that's what the enemy wanted you to do. But God said, you don't come into what I purpose for you if you faint along the way. Long suffering is necessary in the economy of God. Now, listen, it ain't sexy. Nobody's telling you to do cartwheels down the street when you're suffering long. When you're in the waiting room, when your hands and your feet are swelling, when your favorite sweater don't fit you no more, when the thing that's in your armoire that you always wore at the end of August and the beginning of September, when all things become pumpkin spice and latte, that ain't going to fit this year. And you're like, God, I'm in this new season. And God says, baby, I've got something in you that is greater than the suffering of the moment that is more powerful than the defeat of your yesterday. And I am so concerned about your growth that I come looking with an expectation. What more could I have done? And so if you're here tonight, you're not by accident. I pray that if you've tuned in tonight, your man or woman to admit to say, man, this is my word because I was at the precipice of give up. I considered fainting. I was getting ready to give them a piece of my mind, but I realized that the only thing that's going to manifest is that which I planted. So Lord, remove everything that's not conducive to my growing. Let crops fail that never should have been there. And whatever you do, God, let, now listen. Listen, I'm, I'm getting out of here now. See, see, I'm trying to behave, but this is how the spirit works. Ah, do your thing. Let it move. You see what happened, Sister Chelsea, is um, in, in order for my niece to come out, what will happen over time is that dilation will take place, where things become enlarged, clearing away for that which is in you to come out. Our problem is the reason that the baby was breached in the case of the church is because the church stopped dilating. The church stopped dilating because we, we failed to enlarge. We, we failed to grow. We failed to develop. We, 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 we wound up getting uh, uh, fog machines and, and strobe lights instead of waiting for the glory of God. We, we started putting Starbucks in the lobby rather than putting prayer rooms in the church. 
And so God said, as long as the church refuses to dilate, what's in you can't come out unless you allow me to cut you. If you let me cut, if you, if, if you stop dilating, if you stop dilating, we, we can still extract from you what's in you. But but now I've got to cut you now. Come on, ladies, preach with a preacher. Now I, I, I've got to cut you now. I, I, there's surgery that's required now. There's surgery that's required. And, and church, I, I just stopped by and I can only do it the way that God gave it to me now. There, listen, there's something in you that needs to be extracted. There's something in you that God wants to pull out from you. There's something in you that's going to cause this season of long suffering not to be in vain. So, beloved, wouldn't it be terrible? And I'm done. Wouldn't it be terrible if all of this long suffering was for naught? God forbid. Lord, I'm suffering and I'm willing to endure. But, Lord, don't let me faint. Father, I pray strength to all of these that have availed themselves to this word on tonight. I thank you for the leadership of Sister Chelsea. I thank you that your desire is that we become larger, that we dilate, that we grow, that we develop. So concerned are you about our growth and development that you've removed everything that is not conducive to it. You removed the thorns and the thistles and the briars and you planted us in the choices of vineyards. And so Lord, we're not just going to sing, we don't mind waiting. No, we don't mind waiting. We don't mind waiting so long as our waiting is on the Lord. Lord, for everyone that's faint today, I chop them up. I, I say, hi, yeah, be discouraged from faintness and uh, disheartedness uh, and uh, sickness and even death. And God caused the faith of your people to, to, to develop even the more on tonight. And then, Lord, for those of us that have a promise inside of us and we're simply waiting for our water to break, help us to recognize, God, that it's going to do so to the benefit of someone other than us. We love you tonight, God. And lastly, remind us when we don't feel like taking in the fruit of the spirit, help us to remember that it's not a la carte. We can't pick and choose what it is that we think will serve us well in that moment and leave the rest. But God, the fruit of the spirit is singular. So we must possess it all. We must digest it all. We must live in all of it. This is our hope tonight, God, that you would be pleased when you come looking with an expectation that we would be found doing what you desire for us to do. This is our prayer tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My sister, I love you. <laughs> you know I love you too. I mean, you're not just going to end that like that. Like, I, like, I, I have nothing to say. I, I, have, I have nothing to say. I feel like, first of all, your niece hears you, okay? I'm just going to right now. Okay, she in here shouting, doing backflips and running through the church, the womb church. But that was right on time. And I knew that I'm not even in the least bit surprised because you are always obedient to what God has called you to do. And when uh, we spoke and I said, my brother, you have long suffering. Mind you, that wasn't the expectation. It literally was the date where you were aligned. And I looked mm -hmm. up and I said, he has long suffering. And I looked up and I said, Lord, I know that was you. I know that was you. Mm -hmm. You have given on tonight. I know for sure all of us, if not now, in the past, if not in the past, in the future, we are all going to go to, that, to a place and through a place where we are going to have to suffer. But I tell you right now that I boldly say, and I know many of you all in here and those that are listening abroad can boldly say that I need a crop failure. And I'm going to speak that thing. I'm going to speak that thing right now and, and, and I will wait 
and expect expect what he has to build that available space. So I appreciate you for that word. I really, really do. And then also too, I just want to make sure, uh, you know, before I kind of close up, if anybody has anything to say to Pastor Dennis, and I want to make sure I don't forget because he has me all riled up. Uh, I'm going to just give a few seconds if you want to say something or have a word or have a comment that you can do that. I'm going give to give it a pause just for a second so I don't forget. All right. As I say, all hearts and minds clear. You know, you're already a part of the servant leader family, my brother. I, I don't Thank have God. a mind. You are in here. You, you got your own. It ain't a guest room. You have your own room. Like, you're just here. And I appreciate you for a minute. I thought you were going to pop up out of that chair. I was waiting on it. I was really, truly waiting on it. Thank but you, my sister. Just know that I appreciate you for the man of God that you are. Um, shout out to my sister, your wife, Audrey. I appreciate you so much just for allowing us to continue to borrow him. Um, and for all of those that are listening, you know, we thank you for listening. Please adhere to that word, dwell in that word. If you miss something, go back and pay attention to it. If there's anything that you all need, you, you got a prayer request, anything like that, you feel free to send it to us. I can tell you right now, my brother, I pass it on to him. He'll be praying for it. But we thank you guys for listening. All those fruit of the spirit, it is singular. It is not plural. I got it. That's right. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Last word you want to say? No, only to say thank you to all of the coaches. I I, I see some of the comments coming in and I don't know. Oh, we were uh, tearing it up in here. Who was, but but I know how precious a commodity time is. So to all of you that that availed yourself to this tonight, um, I appreciate you all so much. And as I said, when we were just chatting in the beginning, I, I, I can't even explain to folks that have not experienced the Servant Leadership Bible Study family that it is just that. I mean, I genuinely and sincerely pray. I mean, I'm part, I feel this. And don't tell me that I'm not a part of some of these teams. I'm just family. There's nothing they can do about it. And uh, that's how grateful I am for this community. So to all of the coaches, whether you commented or you were just there kind of taking it all in, we celebrate you tonight and uh, all of you that make up the household of faith. We, we thank God. My only prayer request for you all would be that you all remember what we've partnered to do. Build each other up and not tear each other down. And that we further partner to build Christ church and to advance his kingdom. And I think all of us would agree the world can use a little bit more of that right about now. Uh, I almost said up in here, up in it. never mind. All right. So, so, so we, we love y'all and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and my sister, thank you. We're praying for you guys as you're in the home stretch of this thing. And uh, we're just, we're just waiting at this point. I just can't wait. I can't wait. And we'll be praying that God just give you great success and that uh, all is well as we come through this thing here now. Absolutely. I appreciate you so much, my brother. I appreciate you all for listening. And we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Love y'all.